Well, the very first thing I want to do uh, as we get ready to get into this teaching is uh, a week ago, we lost Kobe Bryant uh, and his daughter along with seven other individuals. And I want to put everybody's picture up here. Uh, these are all the people that was lost and I want to take a moment and remember all of them today. Uh, and so let's just have a few seconds of, uh, of, uh, of quietness and I'll close this in prayer. Lord, every individual, each one of the nine that was lost, was connected to family and friends who loved them dearly and who on this day is just devastated. Would you be with them? Would you show up in the details of their grief and comfort them? As we pray for these who are lost, we also remember that those who are listening to my voice now, here, and through other means, are also dealing with loss. So would you show up in our grief and strengthen us? Bless this teaching, too. In Jesus' name I pray. Shout amen. amen. Let's give God a hand praise that he's a God who comforts us in our grief. Uh, the passage that we're about to read, if you're able to stand, please do so, was actually a portion of the scriptures that were to be read uh, in the week running up to last weekend in Kobe Bryant's church, Our Lady Queen of Angels Catholic Church, where he attended just before he got on the helicopter. And I pulled a portion of that text for us today, Matthew 4, 18 through 22. And as I read this text, I want you to be asking yourself, what does this have to do with teams, building teams, serving on a team? Listen, one day as Jesus was walking along the shore of the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, also called Peter, and Andrew, throwing a net into the water for they fished for a living. Jesus called out to them, Come, follow me, and I'll show you how to fish for people. They left their nets at once and followed him. A little farther up the shore, he saw two other brothers, James and John, sitting in a boat with their father, Jebedee, repairing their nets. And he called to them to come too. They immediately followed him, leaving the boat and their father behind. God bless this teaching, would you? In your name, amen. Let's be seated. Would you ask the person sitting next to you, right or left, it doesn't matter, whose team are you on? What is Jesus doing in this text as he's walking along the shore? Well, he's literally building a team. By the end of the journey, uh, Peter and James and John and Andrew will discover that they're on a team with Jesus, and all of them together will be 12 disciples. It's a championship team. Shout championship team. We know it's the same championship team because he's going to pour into them for three years, and at the end of that three-year period, uh, he will empower them to, give, to launch the greatest movement in history called 
the Jesus follower movement. We simply call the church, y'all. It's a championship team. And as we watch Jesus put together this team, we're reminded that this team of disciples, these will later be apostles, they are part of his public ministry team. And so there is an insight here. Uh, 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 and here's the first insight. If you take a note, you can write this down. But say it with me first. Say, if Jesus needed a team, I certainly need a team. Come on, say it again. If Jesus needed a team, I certainly need a team. And so this, this team was, was a team where, through whom, with whom he did his public ministry. It is a reminder that all of us in our public life, if we're going to get uh, to do our best work, we need to be on a team. We need a team. Just go to your local McDonald's. You'll figure this out. That, that a successful McDonald's is, has built a successful team. They've got the person at the cash register taking your order. They've got some people flipping the burgers in the back. They've got somebody making the shake, frying the fries, and they're at uh, the drive through window taking care of business. Shout team! team! Ask the person next to you, whose team are you on? We need a team in our public life. You need to be thinking about who's on my team. And then these individuals was also part of Jesus' personal life team. They not only worked together during the day, they lived together. Uh, they, whatever one went through, everybody went through. They did life together. It's a reminder for all of us that when it comes to our public lives, we need teams. When it comes to raising children, I told you a couple weeks ago, beyond just the parents, we need to build broader teams to help us with that task. When it comes to shouldering the burden of caring for aging parents, we need to build teams. When it comes to protecting and blessing our marriages, we need to build teams. Everybody shout team. Can't just do it alone. Uh, Sherry Lewis serves in our children's uh, ministry, and her husband, Mike, uh, is a part of our VEST team. And she posted uh, on her Facebook page yesterday uh, a picture of a, a multitude, a collage of her and Mike's uh, being married. Put that up there. Isn't that beautiful? And then she listed the names of the other families, marriage couples, in their small group. We call them life groups. Shout life groups. And here's what she wrote. This is a powerful thing. She says, life groups, her small group, has changed our team. She says, miscarriages and new births, marriage strugglers and encouragement, marriage struggles and encouragement, children challenges and health issues and healing, job losses and jobs found, we do life together. This is her team. Come on, let's give God a hand praise. You need to be thinking about who's on my team in my private life. How do I build the right team? Secondly, when we look at this passage, there's some great theological and practical insight about what it means to be a Jesus follower. Let me just point, let's start here. Verse 19, where he's walking along the shore. And the first thing that we learn practically is to be a Jesus follower involves 
uh, saying yes to his invitation to join his team. I say to join the Jesus team. We, we, capture, we capture it as, as the verse kicks off, verse 19. Jesus uh, captures this with the words, uh, come follow me. Come join my team. That's, that's what he's saying. Now, just reading Matthew, it looks like he just showed up and here's a group of strangers. He just said, come follow me. And they just went following him. That's not exactly what happened. If you read all the Gospels, you get a sense that these guys have been following Jesus' growing and magnetic reputation for a period of time. I'm sure they were about Jesus kind of the way I am about Steph Curry. That, that if Steph Curry's in the game, I'm watching it. If there's a post on Steph Curry, I'm reading it. Uh, if, there's, if, if there's an article about when I'm right inside of that. As a matter of fact, so you can imagine how exciting I must have been three weekends ago when I showed up at Chase Center down on the parquet floor for a Christian fellowship night, and I was standing here, and Steph Curry was about, two, about this close to me. And I was waiting on him to say, come join my team. You don't need Giannis, just get me. Come on now, come on, Herman. Well, Steph Curry did not do that. But Jesus, what's remarkable is that Jesus calls out to tax collectors and sinners to join his team. And he makes championship teams out of broken people. Anybody can be a champion with Giannis on the team, but let Herman get out there and play. Come on now. Ask the person next to you, who team are you on? Hmm? Secondly, certainly, being a Jesus follower uh, is, is about saying yes to a vision larger than yourself. He said in the NIV version, he says, come follow me and I will send you out to fish for people. And what he's saying is, what does he mean? He says, I- I'm going to teach you. And release you to go look for people who are lost, who are disconnected from purpose, who, who, have, who don't, don't, understand, don't understand how loved they are. And I want you to connect them to my unconditional love, connect them to my divine and eternal purpose, and connect them through me to everlasting life. Scripture says, for whosoever believe in Jesus shall not perish, but will have everlasting life, even if they're caught in an exploding helicopter. And the third thing, he invites us to, 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 to engage in a lasting, a life of lasting impact. He said in John uh, chapter 15, verse 15, to the same group of people three years later, just before he gets ready to, to be crucified the next day, he says, you did not choose me, but I chose you. And I appointed you to go and bear Fruit, not just any kind of fruit, but fruit that will what? Last, remain. And when you connect people to Jesus, to his love, to his, to his, his eternal life, that's fruit that remains. And so this is the insight for Jesus. Now, when it comes to uh, being on championship teams, there are at least two things that comes with being on a championship team. The first thing that comes with being on a championship team is uh, you cannot have a, 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 a truly team of champions without making deep connections. Shout deep connections. Shout relationships. 
Jesus was trying to make a team of champions. So in that same chapter, chapter 15, uh, which I just quoted, just before he is to be crucified and turn the work of the kingdom over to these uh, men that he invited to follow him three uh, years earlier, uh, he says this. He's talking about his team. Watch it. He says, I want you to love one another even as I have loved you. He says, no greater love than this, than one who will lay down his life for his friends. Substitute, say, shout, teammate. Come on. Uh, you are my friend, my teammate, if you keep my commands, if you follow my lead. And then he says, you are no longer slaves, for a master does not, watch the intimate language, confide in his slaves. He says, but I have told you, I've taught you, I've poured everything in you that the Father has poured into me. Uh, and so his point is, as intimate as me and the Father is, that's how intimate I, Jesus says, want to be with you. And that's how intimate I want you to be with one another. Here's the insight. Do you want to take your public work into the next level, whether you're a plumber or working on a corporation or trying to figure out how to get through graduate school? Don't just be on a team. Go deeper in relationships with the people that you're with. Do you want to try to figure out how to take your family life to the next level? Uh, 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 don't, don't, just, don't just quote unquote say I'm in a relationship. You've got to be involved in each other's stories. Uh, you can't just work together. You've got to learn how to play together. You've got to learn how to fellowship together. Learn each other's dimensions. Shout team. 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 Practical insight. You know, Kobe uh, was, uh, holds the record for the longest tenure on the same NBA team. He was, at, he was with the Lakers for 20 years. As a matter of fact, when he joined the Lakers, came straight out of high school, 17 years old, he was so young that he needed his parents to sign the NBA contract. Because you had to be 18 to sign the contract. And if you know anything about Kobe, you know that probably somewhere between the first seven and ten years, he was just a young man, that Kobe was really all about Kobe. And he felt like the team, this is my analysis, he felt like the team was about elevating Kobe, right? And, and so Phil Jackson says, he's uncoachable. Uh, he got into fights with Shaq, his, uh, his, his buddy that they went to championships with. He was publicly feuding with Ray Allen and, and other folk it was about. He had to grow a little bit. But when he got into his seventh or eighth year, after going through a losing streak, he started to change. Here's one thing. Now, I think he learned something that Michael Jordan used to say. Here's what Michael says. Michael says, talent will win games, but it's teamwork and intelligence that wins championships. And, and, and I think he began to learn this. And as he began to learn this, I heard him in an interview, and here's what he said. He said, ultimately, he learned that a championship team is about the leader elevating the team, not the team elevating the leader. And he said, when it comes to elevating your teammates, it's not just passing them the ball when they're open. It's figuring out, watch this, figuring out how to motivate them uh, to be their best version of themselves every day. And he said, the only way to do that is you've got to spend time with them off the court. 
You got to get to know what makes them tick, what, 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 what challenges and pushes one. He said what made Gasol tick was different from what made Fisher tick. And so he had to get to know, shout, deep connections. Deep connections. That comes with being on a championship team. Go deep with the teams that you're on at work in your private life. I just want to say for those of you who are serving here at NBCC, Man, I, I, we need you to park cars in San Jose and here at our new campus and here. We need you to serve on the praise team and sit out donuts and love people. But ultimately, your transformation comes when you go deep with your team. Don't just serve together here. Watch the Super Bowl together this afternoon. Don't just, don't just, don't just praise team work here, uh, 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 but, but go to dinner together. Do some fun stuff together. You see, being a Christian is project-based learning. You learn by doing. Shout team. team! The second insight that we get, really, that flows out of, uh, of, uh, of championship team is a servant mentality. Everybody shout, servant mentality. Servant mentality. Here's what Jesus taught the same guys that he said, come follow me. In Matthew chapter 20, he says, look, you guys going to be different. If you want to be a leader, you must learn to first be a servant. Uh, that if you want to be first, you've got to be a slave of all. He says, listen, uh, even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, to give his life as a ransom for many. Towards the end of that First 10-year period, Phil Jackson, who left the team because Kobe was, was not coachable, returned. And he found a different Kobe. And he found a Kobe who understood that at the heart of a champion is one who serves. Listen to what Toby, Kobe says. He says, here's, here's what he wrote here. He says, the important thing is that your teammates have to know you're pulling for them and that you really want them to be successful. That's the mature Kobe talking, right? Here, here's something else that he says. He says, I'll do whatever it takes to win games. Watch his examples. Whether it's sitting on the bench, waving a towel in support, handing a cup of water to a teammate, or hitting the game-winning shot. Kobe became Kobe the servant. What's the insight as I close here? Here's the lesson. Here's it. You need to be on a team to go far in your public life. You need to be on a team to go far in your private life. So if you're still listening to me and you're prepared to leave here without being on a team, I just need to ask you one question. What's your reason? And whatever reason you come up with, I'm going to drop it in one bucket with one label. Here's the label for your reason. It's a blessing-blocking reason. Say it with me. Blessing, Blessing. Blocking, blocking, reason. Oh, I just like to be by myself. Blessing, blocking, reason. Oh, it's past hurt. I don't trust anybody. Blessing, blocking, reason. Oh, I don't think I'm good enough. Blessing, blocking, reason. God's got a blessing for you. It's on the other side. Ask the person next to you, whose team are you on? Let me end this. Here, oh my goodness, at the end of the day, the one team that you want to be on is the Jesus team. You know, uh, Kobe, he was, uh, gave an interview to GQ, and he talked about how in, when he was 24 years old, 
he was accused of sexual assault to a young 19-year-old. And while it was settled out of court, two things happened to him that was positive. A, he had to assume responsibility and personally, publicly apologize to this young woman. And B, he said that it forced him to turn back to his faith for guidance. And, and, and his priest said that Kobe was serious, that, that Kobe would, 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 he and his family came to church regularly, but they would sit in the back so that their presence would not distract from the presence of Christ. Oh, I, I like telling this story, you know, because, because, because if Kobe could find redemption and forgiveness and good enough to be on Jesus' team, surely you and I can find for redemption and forgiveness and be on Jesus' team. Uh, I'll go and celebrate that. That's celebrating material. That's, that's celebrating material. And, and, and I was wondering about that last service that he attended. You know, he went to church before he got on the helicopter. And the Lord reminded me that one thing that binds the Roman Catholic Christian tradition with the Protestant Christian tradition is that we share a, an old creed. It's the oldest creed. It's called the Apostle Creed. And it's the creed that where, where in the churches that it's used, you make a confession on a weekly basis. So I called on yesterday Kobe's church. And would you know somebody answered the phone? <laughs> And I said to them, I said, do you have the, uh, is the Apostle Creed a part of the liturgy that, that you guys, your priest does every week? She said, yes. So I said, Kobe was in service. Would he have said, the, he and his daughter have said the Apostle Creed before they left to get on a helicopter? She said, absolutely. And oh, I just thought about it. What a joy it is to know that you're on Jesus' team. I, I, I can see him standing up in the crowd. It usually happens at the very end of the service where he declares, I believe in God, the Father Almighty, the maker of heaven and earth. And I believe in Jesus Christ, his only son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, uh, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, crucified, dead, and buried, descended into hell, that's the place of the dead. Uh, on the third day, he rose again, ascended into heaven, and there sits on the right hand of, of the Father Almighty. I believe he would have confessed it in the Holy Spirit. In the Holy Catholic Church. That's not the Roman Catholic Church. It's, it's, it's Christians everywhere. Come on. I believe in the communion of saints. I believe in the forgiveness of sins. I believe in the resurrection of the body and in life everlasting. Then he walked out of there and got on the helicopter. Come on now. Be on Jesus' team. He'll take you from time to eternity. Give God a hand praise. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.